morning. Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. Hope you have a good worship experience this morning with us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And we light this candle this morning as a sign of the coming of the light, the Lord Jesus. walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Come Lord Jesus, our light and salvation, let us walk in the light of the Lord.
excited to start Christmas season and singing Christmas songs together. This is a great time because these songs are so full of the gospel. So let's sing these from our hearts.
morning, everybody. Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. We're glad you're here this morning to uh, kick off this wonderful, wonderful time of year, the time that we uh, celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I uh, want to welcome everyone, but especially our, any guests that we have this morning. We want to welcome you and give you an opportunity to connect with us, uh, to help with that process. We ask that you fill out a we call a connect card. There are two ways you can do that. On the pew in front of you, there should be some QR codes. The top code is a code that will uh, get a connect card for you to fill out on your uh, phone or tablet device. Uh, if you prefer not to do that electronically, uh, if you go out these double doors and immediately to the left is our next steps desk, and they will have a paper copy for you to fill out there old-fashioned way. And so uh, we hope that you will do that. If you are a first-time visitor, we also have a gift for you. So if you would, again, visit the first steps, the next steps desk, as a first-time visitor, we'll have a gift there for you as well from us. All right. Um, our purpose here at Hebron Baptist Church is to help you take your next step in, uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, that might be your first step, which is accepting him as Savior. Uh, it might be uh, uh, another step, might be baptism, or uh, perhaps you uh, need to yet uh, join maybe a D group or a life group. And uh, all of those things and others, uh, they can help you with at the next steps desk. So if you are looking to take your next step toward Christ, again, we uh, invite you to visit the desk there after the service this morning. And we certainly would uh, like to help you with that. If you'll now join me, uh, we are going to uh, uh, say a word of prayer, and we are going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for missions, and we're also going to pray for the world. So uh, if you would join me in prayer. Father, we Thank you for the opportunity to gather here together, especially as we start to consider this wonderful time of year that uh, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, Father, as we, as we think about that and about all of the activities of this time of the year, we pray that we wouldn't get so involved in the celebrations of the season that we forget the, the very reason that we celebrate this time of year. That's the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, he came to, came to earth as a babe there in Bethlehem, but Father lived a perfect life that he might be the perfect sacrifice for us, that uh, he would die for our sins, that we might have his righteousness credited to us. And so, Father, we just pray that we might keep that in mind during this time of year. We want to pray also this morning for Carl Porter there in Great Britain, uh, there in the London area as he uh, ministers, uh, attempting to start a church there. We pray that uh, you would uh, keep them faithful and encourage them. And Father, uh, bring many to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to join them there in that endeavor. And Father, we pray also this morning for, uh, for the Middle East, war that is going on there, Father, it's uh, flared up once again, uh, and the fighting has, has resumed, and Father, we just, we just pray that uh, 
that the, your peace might come upon that area, Father. Uh, we, we see these conflicts happening all over the world, and, and especially there in the Middle East, it seems like it's just one, one conflict after another, Father. We know that uh, one day Jesus Christ will come and we'll put an end to all of that and we'll bring real peace. But Father, we pray that uh, even in the meantime, now there might there might be an accord reached that uh, that folks would would learn to live uh, at peace with each other, even though they may disagree. Father, that uh, that you would bring uh, a settling of that conflict, and that that uh, those there who have uh, lost so many loved ones at this time, and and uh, even their homes and so forth, Father, we pray that uh, you would bring a, an end into this conflict. And then, Father, we, we confess to you that uh, we have not been the folks that we need to be. Uh, Father, uh, we think about uh, our core value of meaningful membership and what that means, Father, that, uh, that we uh, serve and, and uh, help each other in this congregation as brothers and sisters. And Father, we just pray that uh, that night, that might be brought home to us, especially at this time, that we realize that, that we are here to uh, help each other, that we are here to support each other, that we are here to help each other grow spiritually as we anticipate the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we just pray that uh, that might be part of this celebration uh, of, at this time of year, that we would understand our, our responsibility to each other here in the church. For it's in Christ's name we ask all of this. Amen. Therefore, since we have been justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and continue to rejoice in the incarnation of Christ who came and did not leave us, but came to be our substitute.
it our prayer that Christ would be among us as we hear from his word. And so we call, come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. And we'll sing like the church has sung for hundreds and hundreds of years, this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, as we cry out that God would come and be among us as we
morning turning to your copy of God's Word to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Today we begin a series uh, that we've entitled Christmas Playlist Volume 2. I know I have my regular rotation of Christmas albums that begin and end with Dolly Parton. Uh, and you probably have your favorite Christmas albums that you listen to, but we have these songs that we sing, many of them that we sang uh, this morning. Uh, last year, we, if you recall, if you were here, we had the songs of Christmas or Christmas playlist when we went through the songs of the characters of the Christmas story. And today, or this Christmas, we're going to look through the, the hymns or the songs of the New Testament that teach us about Christ. Today we're going to look at one of those, John 1, 1 through 18. And I'm going to explain that here in just a minute, a little bit more. But today we're going to look and look as we've, we've sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel, who is God with us. So let us read together, maybe in your copy of God's Word or in your device, John chapter 1, and we'll go uh, to verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one of the only son from the father, full of grace and and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The, only, the one and only Son who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we rightfully come to these first words of John as we consider the truths of your son Jesus. And I pray, God, this morning that whether it's someone who doesn't know anything about you or is questioning Christianity or, or seeking truth in their life, that, Lord, this would be a doorway or a crack in which the light goes directly to their heart. Or maybe today, Lord, that there is a Christian or a believer here who has 
been so overwhelmed by Christmas season and planning or even just the fact that life itself is going at a light speed that we've forgotten the wonderful truths of Christmas. May Lord, you implant these words in our heart that might come to fullness, that we might praise you, worship you, obey you, and live for you all the more this Christmas season. We ask that these words, though we read them today, would not be just something that we would read and forget, but Lord, these words would change us so that we would be made new. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The, Christmas, the Christian purpose of Advent is to look at Jesus' coming. And John 1 states boldly and clearly that the Word was God and that the Word dwelt among us. As Christians, these truths that Jesus is God and He came to be with us Everything we believe depends on this. And as we think of this as Christmas season, we must be reminded of this important foundational truth because everything rests on it. Now, in reality, there is very mixed belief or understanding that these words or this passage is a Christ hymn. Uh, many believe because of its structure and the repetitive nature of the word, the light, as you see that repetitive nature, there must be either some, uh, uh, especially in the original language of the Greek, there is a poetic nature to it. There is something to that. So maybe it wasn't a song, maybe it wasn't a hymn that they sang, but it is certainly important. And John's gospel begins with this declaration of who Jesus is. And the goal of the, the Bible, of this gospel, and everything that we believe comes really from John's declaration in chapter 20, verse 31 of his gospel. When he says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So today, as we think and consider about Christmas and the meaning of this holiday and we think of the Christmas playlist and the truths that we learn, we must understand that the importance of our life is that Jesus is God and that he came for us. And one of our ornaments that we put in our tree was actually, there's an old ornament, it has to be or old, but it's a baby picture of me. And we showed it to Parker. And Parker always does this when he sees baby pictures. We say, who is this Parker? Me. It's Parker. It's Parker. No, it's not Parker. No, Parker's not. Bella. Bella. It's got to be Bella. No, it's, it's not Bella. Uh, Bubba. 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 And he says, so, no, it's not Bubba, it's not Franklin, it's none of you all. It's actually Daddy. He's got the weirdest look on his face. Said, Daddy, you were never a baby. <laughs> it's hard for kids to think of their parents as babies. But the opposite is true when it comes to Jesus, isn't it? A lot of the secular world, a lot of people believe it's hard to think of Jesus other than a baby. 
maybe even people who don't believe or attend church they might know the nativity story they see maybe even have one in their home they think of Jesus as a baby but John clearly says that this baby is more than just a baby the baby who slept in a feeding trough is God himself that God himself lived a perfect life for 33 years robed in the flesh and when he died God himself hung on a cross to die for us we need to be careful that we get caught up in the cabbage patch doll precious moments nature of Christmas of seeing a chubby little baby in a nativity scene and thinking that that's all who Jesus is but friends yes Jesus was born in the flesh a human baby born of a virgin Mary but he was God and because we know this the gospel helps us to see something greater well unlike Matthew and Luke which starts with genealogy and the story of the birth Jesus John starts that he is God from the opening of this section, we must ask ourselves, as John declares, who is Jesus? Well, I'm going to look today, if you're taking notes in your bulletin or in your phones, we're going to look at four truths that we learn about Jesus from these first 18 verses. Number one, Jesus is God who preexisted before time this first sentence of John's gospel is the most deep fulfilling compact yet pulsating theological statement ever written in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God as we mind the depths of understanding this we see that John was clear in his understanding as given wisdom by God that Jesus was God himself that Jesus is in perfect fellowship of the same substance of God the Father and fellowship with the Holy Spirit he is a cosmic Christ. John, on the one hand, used a phrase. He used a, sorry, he used a phrase or word, the term word, logos. By using this word, he was taking both worlds that he inhabited and pulled them together. He grabbed the live wire that was of the Jewish understanding of Scripture that before the world existed there was nothing and that when God, God spoke the word everything came into being and then John went, went and grabbed another live wire which was of the Greek philosophers of that the word or wisdom that has always been unchanging never ending that was from the beginning and John put them together and said, this word, this power, 
this wisdom, this person, Jesus, was with God and was God. Friends, this helps us to understand the very nature of who Jesus was, that he is God. The word here is understanding that God is with us. Over in Luke's gospel, or over in, uh, sorry, over in Matthew's gospel, he observes or helps us to even see this more clearly, that if we don't miss this, when he, the angel, the messenger shows up to, uh, to Joseph, and he says, Joseph, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Emmanuel. There's a thing that Matthew helps us to see in verse 22. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, in Isaiah, by the way, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Friends, this is not God in spirit. Oh, you know, God's with me in spirit. Or God's sending us well wishes from afar. This is God stepping out of eternity and out of heaven to earth. This is God himself in the flesh. And Jesus is fully God, not just a teacher to maybe understand or someone who, whose name has become well known, but God himself coming for his people. There's a lot of secular voices, diverse as conspiracy theory novelists such as Dan Brown who wrote the Da Vinci Code and, and Bart Ehrman a, a, a New Testament scholar I call that New Testament in quotes because he doesn't believe it to be true but he said that they believe that Jesus never existed until the Council of Nicaea in the 4th century friends this text was written far before the 4th century and John himself says the word was God. He repeats this claim in John 1.18 saying the one who is at the Father's side is himself the only God. Friends, it is so clear that even the guy that we call Doubting Thomas, he says later, my Lord and my God. This is a very clear belief from the eternity and from the Jesus coming, knowing that he is God. Now, we also know that we have other people who, who doubt that Jesus is the one true God. We know that Arius, in his false teachings in the early centuries, as well as even Jehovah's Witnesses today, who retwist this verse to say that the Lord, the word was a God. Uh, they use this construction of saying, well, in the Greek that it's saying that there's no definitive article, for those of you who me, I don't like English, but the, the term the, the word was the God. That the is missing in the God. And so they said, oh, see, it's the word was a God. One of many but what they don't take into effect is that in the Greek language is that you don't have to write the definitive article every time. That every time you don't have to, the word was the God, the word does the God, the, 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 the. You don't have to do that. It is very clear what Jesus, that John wrote from the beginning that the word, Jesus, was the one true 
God. A.W. Pink, theologian, wrote, the one who was heralded by the angels to Bethlehem shepherds, who walked this earth for 33 years, who was crucified at Calvary, and who rose in triumph from the grave, and who 40 days later departed from the scenes, was none other than the Lord of glory. John's gospel tells us in a distinctive way that Jesus was God. And not only that, but that there is nothing, it says later, that came into being without him. Jesus was present. Jesus of the triune God, the word, activity, creation. Jesus was there and everything was made. There is nothing on earth that was not created without Christ. Friends, if this is true, then even you and I were made by Jesus. This is true. It means that Jesus knows you from embryo to grave, back to front, head to toe, thought to thought. He knows you better than you know yourself. Friends, the God of the universe who knows you and created every atom of your being knows you and loves you. Because Jesus is God, we should revere Jesus. We can't treat him as a buddy or a boyfriend or a therapist or a consultant or a genie or a co-pilot. He is God, the Lord of glory. He is God himself. So let us worship him, listen to him, obey him with reverence in humility and awe. Recognize that his desires and our desires are nothing and his desires are everything. That he is God who came for us. Secondly, Jesus is the light of God shining into the world. Jesus is the light of God shining into the world. In the clearest terms, Christ is described as life. In verse 4, he was the life, and the life was light of man, that light shines in the darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to testify about the light. Later on, in verse 10, he was the, sorry, verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, he gave them right to be children of God who believe in his name, who were not born of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Friends, in the clearest of terms, Jesus is described as the light, the light who pushed back the darkness. The emphasis of this is to say that there is something spiritual who came to bring light and understanding of truth and reality of God that this reality comes into the world, that this true light gave light to every man so that they would understand both through nature and of conscience that Jesus is Lord, that God is the true God. This is the understanding of Romans 1, 19 through 20. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen since the creation of the world 
being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Not only do we have the creation revelation, but now we have God in the flesh. In physical form, pointing to the truth about himself. The very Lord, God himself, comes to lighten the darkness of our hearts, the the darkness of our minds to show us what is true about the world, about him, about eternity, about salvation, about sin, about all these things, and that he is a God who loves us. And it says that the light could not be overcome by the darkness. Last week, I went hunting with Franklin for a day, and as we're walking to the tree stand, uh, it's very early in the morning, 5.30, 5.45, and you're walking into the forest, and literally there is nothing beyond the flashlight. I mean, the, there is nothing around you, and everything on the outside of it, you cannot see. You don't know if there's trees or bears or whatever. So for a second, you're very, you can say, well, what's on, I, I can see everything in front of me for 10 feet, but I don't know what's out there. But what's so great about going out into a place that you don't know really where you're going is the light cuts right through it. There's no stopping the light. The same way, the light of Christ. There's no stopping him. There's no stopping the truth that has come. There's no stopping the reality of Jesus coming to earth that knowing that, that in this, that there even in the slightest crack can't withhold the presence of Christ. Where the light goes, darkness is dispelled, revealing the nature of life. We know that Jesus comes to reveal the word, world to us so that we might know the truth about him. You know, the sad news is, verse 5 concludes that, that the, even some in the darkness have not understood it. Verse 10 and 11 round out this description, helping us to see this immense description of light that he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to which was his own, but they did not receive him. Imagine this. The word and the light that spoke things into existence. The very creation that wouldn't even exist without him rejects him. Doesn't receive him. And yet, the one who mercifully sheathed his light in human body came so he might be the light to men. Those who receive the light, though, receive this enormous, wonderful promise that those who receive him will become his children. The true light, it says, he came, verse 11, he came to his own, but his own people did not receive him, but to all who do receive him. He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of natural descent or will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God. Friends, apparently John never got over this. 
Because in 1 John 3, he wrote, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know it, because they didn't know him. Friends, how do we know God? How do we know true life? How do we know that we can become reconciled to God? How can we know the truths of God for our life? is through the light of Jesus himself. And my prayer for you today is that you know Jesus. Verse 12 says that all who received him, those who believe in his name. This is the language of John, the cosmic Christ, the eternal creator who became one of us, took our sins upon himself and paid for them, was resurrected and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And all you have to do is believe on him. So today, as we talk about Christmas and Advent, the Advent of Christ first coming and we wait for the second advent of his coming again we know you must think of what do I believe about Jesus you cannot escape these words you cannot escape these verses and, and not ask this question as you fall upon this is what do I believe about him well, here's the good news is all you have to do is believe that he is the son of God all you have to do is believe that he died for your sins that God rose him from the grave and that he sits at the right hand of the Father and if you repent and believe, just repent and believe you will become a child of God right now what a promise of Christmas what the reality and truth of Jesus coming to earth what a good gift that God has given us that we can celebrate Friend, do you believe? Charles Spurgeon wrote, one grain of faith in Christ is worth more than a diamond the size of the world. Yes, though you should thread such jewels together as many as stars of heaven for number, they would be worth nothing compared with the smallest atom of faith in Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Friends, the light can give you faith to trust in him this Christmas. Believe on him and be changed forever. Number three, Jesus is the word and the flesh living with us. Jesus is the word of the flesh living with us. Verse 14, another impactful verse here in these first sections. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, we observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In a small manger in Bethlehem, the turtle Son of God was became man. We can hold to this truth because, and we call it the incarnation. It is what we celebrate this time of year. And even though we can't comprehend everything it means, we don't understand all of the condescension, we don't understand all of how humanity and deity came together, we can affirm that Jesus has always existed as from the beginning and that in a definite point in human history, he was born a baby and became flesh. And all throughout history, Christianity and others would doubt it. How does glory and 
and humanity come together. But Paul understood this. John understood this. The whole New Testament teaches it. In Colossians 2.9, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Friends, it is important that we know that Jesus, God himself, came to live among us. It's good for us to know that God didn't just just didn't hope to know us or hope to come for or hope to save us. He came to fight the wages of sin and death himself. But he also is a God who knows everything that we're going through. Why was it important that Jesus came to earth? Well, if Jesus did not become man, he could not be tempted. Now, we believe, know that the full nature of God, that he couldn't truly be tempted because of his holiness, but he, in his humanity and flesh, was tired, was beaten, uh, was, was starved, was, uh, was without. He went through every range of emotion that humanity has gone through. And isn't it good to know that when you cry the tears of pain in your pillow at night, you have an advocate sitting beside the Father who says, I know what they're going through, Lord. And I love them. Friends, we have someone who came to earth who can sympathize with our weakness and assure us that we have victory over sin and temptation, just as he had victory over temptation in the desert if Jesus had not become man he could not have been example I mean we've known for decades WWJD what would Jesus do we, we've got bracelets and t-shirts and bumper stickers everywhere but those letters of course would mean nothing if he never came we look to Jesus to see in his example how we might live because Jesus became a man we know how we can respond as we live faithfully Jesus did not become a man he could not come to die for us See, we should never look at Bethlehem without seeing Calvary we should never contemplate the incarnation without our thoughts drifting to the crucifixion J.I. Packer in his great book Knowing God says the crucial significance of the cradle at Bethlehem lies in its place in the sequence of steps that led the son of God to the cross of Calvary and we do not understand it till we see it in its context. The taking of manhood by the Son is set before us in a way that shows us how we should ever view it. Not simply as a marvel of nature, but rather as a wonder of grace. Friends, that Jesus came in the flesh. The story didn't end in a baby in a manger but a man dying on the cross for our sins and risen again three days later. The incarnation is amazing and that God became man so that he could die for mankind and for our sin. Fourthly, God, Jesus is God's gift of grace to us. Jesus is God's gift of grace to us. Verse 16, indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. 
Brothers and sisters, no one is beyond the power of God's grace when we see Jesus who has come in the flesh. God's grace has come and is adequate for all of us. And one of the reasons this is so important is because that God could give to us infinite grace through his son, Jesus. John declares in verse 16, Indeed, we have received grace upon grace in his fullness. Through Jesus, friends, in a relationship with him, we receive all the grace that we need. Jesus, through his ministry and his life, showed grace as he lived. When he, when he was at the wedding in Canaan, he provided grace the full fullness by providing the highest quality of wine. When he met the woman who was about to be stoned, he, he stopped the crowd and this mob and gave grace and said, yet go and sin no more. When he met the woman at the mount, uh, well who had a, a, a bad background, her fifth husband who, who was an outsider, outcast, all alone, what did Jesus say? Here is living water. Drink and you will thirst no more. Jesus came to a man who had been lame for 38 years to heal him, to a crowd who was hungry and multiplied baskets of fish and bread to give them grace. Did Death did not exhaust his fullness. When Lazarus laid cold in the grave, he said, Lazarus, come out. Jesus' life was about giving grace upon grace. The grace of Christ takes many forms, and we can know that grace came to us at Christmas. William Barclay observed, we need one grace in the days of prosperity and another in a day of adversity. We need one grace in the, in the sunlit days of youth and another when the shadows of age begin to lengthen. The church needs one grace in the days of persecution and another days when acceptance has come. We need one grace when we feel that we are on top of things and another when we are depressed and discouraged and near to despair. Friends, how do we receive this grace? We receive it knowing that God has come near to us. And in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we receive grace and the power to go through all of these things. And this never-ending supply, this grace upon grace, the literal Greek phrase used here, it, it, it blew my mind to know what it says. It is literally grace instead of grace. When he's talking here about grace instead of grace, what did he point out? That the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That the grace that came from the old covenant was the grace of God to restore his people to himself. But how much more infinitely more grace that God himself came to die to cover our sins with his blood so that we might be restored to God for eternity. Friends, the presence of God reversed the curse of the garden. How Adam and Eve, our great, 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 great grandparents have wanted to be back in the presence of God. And the only way that we can restore and be back to God is through Jesus coming to earth. 
Friends, we have received grace upon grace upon grace through Jesus Christ. Because of this, Jesus, the Savior for all, has filled our emptiness of our souls, met with the fullness of his grace. At Christmas, we know grace is near because of a relationship with Jesus to face all the things in our life that we need grace for, but it is because he has fulfilled our greatest need, grace to be restored to God forever. So brothers and sisters, as we reflect on the songs of Christmas and as we have sang O come, O come, Emmanuel. May we, our hearts be lifted to know that God did come. That God did come for us. That God is near to us through Christ. And that Christ will be coming again. And as we are brought to high heights of understanding and reminding of this, may we continually go back to this good news that God came for us. Because we, as we get older, and as time goes, sometimes we lose the wonder of Christmas. We lose the sight of what a miracle, an amazing, merciful grace that we did not deserve in God coming for us. But may we always rehearse this good news so that Jesus becomes greater in our life that we become more dependent on him, not less dependent. May we become more exalting of Jesus, not less exalting. May we consider to keep going to this, to keep going back to him and his gospel so that we might love him greater and greater. May we be like Lucy Pevensey in Prince Caspian when, he sees, when she sees Aslan for the next time. For those who don't know that novel series, it's a picture of Christ and, and, and the world and, and Aslan being the great lion of the picture of Christ and Lucy one of the girls comes to see him and he says welcome child Lucy says Aslan you're bigger that is because you're older little one not because you are she asks Surely because maybe he's gotten older and bigger. Maybe as he's gotten bigger because he's gotten older. He responds, I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Brothers and sisters, may every year, every day, every moment, we see Christ bigger and bigger. Bigger in our hearts. Bigger for who he is. My hope is that when we work our way through the wonders of Christmas, that we will find Christ bigger and bigger and bigger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reminder of who you are. God in the flesh. The very true, very true God. The one and only God. Of the same substance. Distinct in nature. God, you have come to dwell with us, your people. As a Savior, we trust you for eternity and for comfort we know that you have been brought near. In a relationship with you, we know you understand and know all things that we need. So Lord, may 
we be overwhelmed this Christmas season that it's not just a famous person or philosopher or teacher but God you have come near to us thank you for loving us thank you for loving your creation that you would come for us and may we celebrate all we are in you and all that is in your son in Jesus name we pray Let's respond together in faith and in worship. Would you stand to your feet and let's worship together?
That wonderful video reminds us that this time of year is that we celebrate uh, the opportunity to give to international missions. Those of you who aren't from a Southern Baptist background, Lottie Moon was a Southern Baptist missionary who went to China, 
who literally gave her entire life to the people there. With her small nature, she was able to connect to the women and children there, calling for people to come, come tell the world about the gospel. As a matter of fact, uh, when, he, when she was, uh, uh, even in her last year of her death, 2,358 people were baptized in China as a part of her ministry. And when she died at the age of 72, she was 50 pounds, mostly because a famine in the land, she couldn't help keeping food for herself. She gave it away. Her constant life goal was to live for King Jesus and share the gospel. Uh, in 1912, uh, in her death, the next year, there was a, a, a missionary goal established for her to send missions overseas. But I just thought that this might, uh, this truth that comes from this great little book, Ten Who Changed the World by Dr. Aiken, uh, I encourage you to get it. It's great missionary stories. But it said when, her, when she died, um, she, the personal effects consisted of one steamer trunk. And the executor of her state sold it all of her personal property, clearing her bank account of $254 in local currency. He wrote with a broken heart, the heiress of Viewmount did not have enough estate to pay her way back to Virginia. From Virginia, she went to China to live, to never to return. Couldn't even afford to come back if she wanted. She gave it all for King Jesus. In 20 years following her death, Chinese women in the remote villages would ask, when will the heavenly book visitor come again? Since that time, over $5 billion has been given for international missions in her name. And we know, preciously, the Richard family, they benefit from this Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Not only does it pay for them to live, but they get such support. If they need or are having a tough day and they need to talk to somebody, there's someone to talk to. If they need medical care and they needed to come back to the States for any reason, they would be able to do that. They have everything they need because of the generosity of people who give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering in Southern Baptist churches. So as pastors, as elders, we wanted to challenge us to have one of our greatest Lottie Moon Christmas offerings of all time. First, we ask you to do this is pray. Uh, in your bulletins, or if you did not get one in your bulletin, they should be out on the, the next steps table, is a prayer guide. Today begins the prayer guide uh, as you should pray every day for a different missionary. That's the most, a matter of most importance, that the power of God would encourage these missionaries and encourage uh, them through prayer and pray for their work uh, overseas. But secondly, we encourage you to pray about giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, a very generous gift, not one that you hadn't thought about or prayed about, but something that's a very generous nature. Now, we've been saying for a couple weeks that you'll get a gift today. Uh, if you have a child in your life, or honestly, if you want one of these, please take one. We've got enough. Uh, a, 
acquaintance friend of mine, Amy Whitfield, she's, a, she's on podcasts and different things, wrote this wonderful kid's book, Lottie Moon, The Girl Who Reached the World. It is magical. I encourage you to pick up a copy across the hallway. We have them for you. Read them to the child in your life. Read it to your grandchild in your life or the great-grandchild in your life. And uh, just be encouraged about her, uh, her life. Uh, and think and pray this week as a family how you could give to this Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Next Sunday, we will have our March to the Manger. Uh, we'll have a manger here and we'll have a time to give a gift to the Lord Jesus for world missions in the name of Lottie Moon. So think about that this week. And if you need some extra time, it doesn't mean you can't give after next week. You can give actually all the way to the end of the year. But please be thinking about how you can support world missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is $10,000, and we would love to celebrate together the Lord doing that in our midst. So please make sure that you get one of these on your way out. Scott will be out there, uh, and make sure that you will get those in the hallway across the hall. Uh, secondly, we want to remind you of the fireside service, to, uh, fireside Christmas tonight. Uh, we're looking forward to it. The, the band and the singers have been practicing. It'll be great. There will be a story for kids. Of course, there, is, there are things that happen that in here that some of you know about and some of you don't. That's a secret, but some of it's not a secret anymore to a lot of people. But come. We also have Queen City Photo Booth that will be downstairs afterwards. And what you can do is just stand in front of this thing and you get your picture and you'll get this beautifully printed thing uh, out and also they'll send it to your phone uh, so that'll be cool we also have many of you bringing cookies uh, for desserts afterwards so this will be a special night i hope that you have invited someone for the tonight uh, if you haven't it's not a, it's not too late call them right after church and go to your car pull them up on your phone and say hey i've been meaning to ask you all week and i just forgot hey would you be available to come to this to me at, tonight at six o'clock uh, they'll hear the gospel, see the gospel, and be, uh, have a good opportunity uh, to be uh, in fellowship with us at Hebron Baptist Church. So we hope that you come tonight. Also, many of you have offered to do the cookies. Uh, we're trying to track that. If you have already volunteered or if you haven't, there's a sign-up out there. or uh, Miss Carol has that. Just make sure, Carol, raise your hand over there. So just let her know that you're bringing them so that we know that we have that. We've already got so many, but please bring them because we want to have a good variety for our guests. Uh, but we look forward to uh, seeing you tonight. Um, bup, 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 bup. I think that's all I was supposed to say. Jim, I think, has an announcement for uh, our church about our staff recognition. So I'll let him come. Let me get a microphone for him. It's red. Just wanted to let everybody know um, how much we appreciate uh, personnel team and finance team. We appreciate everyone's giving uh, for the year-end gifts for our staff. Uh, we did that to express our love and encouragement and gratitude for our staff members, and we received um, some significant funds for that. And we just wanted to let you all know that we appreciate your contributions and. We will be uh, giving those gifts to the staff today. So thank you very much for that. Oh, I want to 
wanted to get the staff to stand up so everybody recognizes who the staff are. Mark, Sean, uh, Ryan. I think Christy may have had to leave. Kay's over here. <laughs> All right. So uh, in addition to the contributions, let's just give them a round of applause to express our I know, I know everyone will echo what I'm about to say. Hebron Baptist Church is the most loving place to serve. Uh, sorry. I'll get it. I'll get it together. Hold on. We know we're blessed. We know we're blessed. Thank you all. So, all right. Okay, I'm getting it together. I'm getting it together. All right. Um, I did want to say that these gifts were given um, by our WMU to us. So we want to thank the WMU. Uh, they're, they're actually, you know, no longer existing after next year. They're not going to meet anymore. And so kind of their gift to us is a gift to you. So I wanted to honor them by reminding this is a gift to you all from them. So we're grateful for WMU uh, for supporting Lottie Moon and all of her work for the many years that they've done that. Well, let me pray. It's a time to give. And so uh, we do this as an act of worship. So let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to give both to Lottie Moon and to the work of the ministry here at Hebron Baptist Church. We know, Lord, that the money doesn't stay here but goes across the world and impacts your work uh, everywhere. So, Lord, we're thankful uh, for um, you providing for us. And now we give back to you as an act of worship and appreciation. In Jesus' name, amen.
us our prayer. Give us our strength.